The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial financial advice bring me your money questions because i'm here to help and now here he is the financial physician america's money doctor lou scatigna hello my friends how are you welcome to this edition of the financial physician where we talk money markets and politics and not necessarily in that order uh, especially lately with all the obamacare stuff that's going on but we're not going to start with obamacare today we're going to tackle that later in the program. Let's start off talking about the state of the economy, and, and, and namely the job market. Now, last Friday, uh, two days after this last show, our last show aired, um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out and announced October's job numbers. Now, the job report is probably the most important report that comes out. Wall Street anticipates it. Stocks move on it. All assets actually move on it, and uh, uh, it's eagerly awaited. And it's also the most manipulated fudged, whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective you want to use, uh, economic report that comes out of the government. And we'll talk about how they do that in a second. Well, it was a big surprise. They announced that 200,000 jobs were created in October. Uh, the consensus for, for most economists uh, were roughly about 122,000. So 200,000 substantially more than expected. Still not a huge amount. You know, a Big amount in a growing economy would be about 350,000 jobs per month. But 200,000 was better than expected. I don't think we've seen a 200,000 number in, in quite some time. The market went giddy. Stock market took off. The bond market dropped and interest rates went up. Why? Because people are starting to think, well, geez, maybe the economy really isn't so bad. Maybe it really is improving. And maybe the Federal Reserve will have to actually taper their quantitative easing program. And all summer long, that was a speculation that the Fed was going to taper in September. Uh, the Fed started that speculation in June by saying that they were going to taper relatively soon. And all indications were that uh, it was going to be September. Uh, ben Bernanke surprised the markets big time uh, by announcing quantitative easing would continue. And there would be no taper. Because it's never going to be a taper, in my opinion. And if there is going to be, it's going to be a token one that's not going to last very long. And as a matter of fact, I think quantitative easing is going to grow. And they're going to print more money and buy more bonds uh, later on. But we'll get to that later. So the government came out and said 200,000 jobs were created, higher than Wall Street expected. And, um, and everybody went giddy. 
But all you have to do is really look a little deeper into the numbers, and you'll know that it isn't really that good. And that's always the case with the jobs report. Headline numbers don't necessarily mean anything. Whether it's 200,000 jobs created, whether it's the unemployment rate is 7.2%, went up to 7.3%. All that stuff, you know, that's nice, but it's headline numbers. But when you look deep into the report, and it's available for everybody to look at, you see that it wasn't really that good. So what are these jobs? And these are the kind of jobs that have been created for the last 10 or 15 years, by the way. These jobs, 44,000 retail clerks. These are uh, largely part-time jobs with no benefits, pay very minimum wage. They call their jobs at Walmart, that kind of thing. Um, 30,000 waitresses and bartenders. You're not going to put kids through college with that kind of a job. Uh, 23,000 education and health services. And then there were 15,000 administrative and waste services jobs. Now, when you have this kind of jobs creation, when you're creating these kind of jobs, and you're doing it for a long time, 10, 15 years, you're basically slowly becoming a third world country. Where everybody is low paid and mostly in service jobs, not manufacturing, not good jobs that pay pensions and benefits. But really, was there really 200,000 jobs at all created last year? Um, last month, I should say. And the answer is no. It really wasn't. I've explained the birth-death model to you almost every month about what that is. And that's, uh, that's uh, a model that the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uses to generate supposed jobs that were created by small businesses coming into creation. Think you go out, you go off on your own, you set up a small business, you hire two or three people. Uh, those are the jobs that they're counting in the Bureau of Labor Statistics model. Now, the problem is there's no way of actually counting that. There's no way of ever knowing that. There's no actual statistic that the government looks at and comes up with this number. They pull it out of thin air. And then months later, they usually adjust it down. But the bottom line is there's no rhyme or reason how they get this number. It's whatever number they just pull out of their, their hat, what they want the, the headline number to be, they could make by using the birth-death model. Now, that was created, you know, the birth-death model, when um, we had a growing economy, and there was more startups than there was failures, and now we have more failures than we have startups. And that's been a case since everything collapsed in 2008. The economy hasn't been growing. There hasn't been lots of new businesses being established. Look at strip malls. Many of them have empty stores in it. That's not a sign of a growing economy. So they said that a hundred and what was that? I think one hundred and twenty-nine thousand jobs are created utilizing the birth death model. One hundred twenty-nine thousand out of the two hundred thousand were just made-up numbers. And then the media continues uh, to report it uh, and continues propaganda for the government. And that's really what it is. Nobody's hiring. Except crappy part-time jobs. So again, they can make this number anything they want it to be. Now the media will report the headline unemployment rate, which in this case went from 7.2% to 7.3%. Went up slightly. That's called the U3 number. And uh, that's the one, that's the only one that they'll ever report is the U3 number. But there's other numbers 
that go with it too. I mean, the government reports it, but the media doesn't report it. Now, the reason that the unemployment number is at 7.3% is because last month, 750,000 people dropped out of the labor force. That's the participation rate we talk about too. How many people are actually part of the, the labor force? I mean, almost a million people just dropped off the rolls of unemployment, of employment, um, in one month. That, that's just a huge number. A huge number. As a matter of fact, usually when that happens, when there's a significant drop in the participation rate, the unemployment rate goes down. So the fact that the unemployment rate went up in the face of 750,000 dropping off of the payrolls means that it's even worse, the employment picture, than the government's trying to make it out to be. Now, the government has another measure that they report. It's called U6. And again, that's seldom reported by the the mainstream media. And it counts the short-term discouraged people, quote-unquote discouraged uh, that have stopped looking for jobs. They haven't looked for a job in four weeks. That's that's the definition. So they haven't looked for a job in four weeks. So therefore, they're considered no longer unemployed. They're just nothing. If you add them back in, that rate's almost double at thirteen point eight percent, and that's gone up. And that counts people who have been discouraged, quote-unquote discouraged, and haven't looked for a job really for less than a year. That goes into the U6. Uh, And and the government has no official rate uh, for uh, that counts the long-term discouraged people that have been out of work over a year and haven't looked for a job for over a year. They're just... um, They've simply given up. There's no jobs to find. They can't find them, and, and, and they've just given up. They're still unemployed. And John Williams, who's an economist that I follow, he he does economic statistics like they used to be figured before the government started doing excuse me all kinds of shenanigans with the numbers. And John Williams estimates that using a previous government methodology, the actual unemployment rate is a staggering twenty three point five percent. The real rate of unemployment is twenty three point five percent. Three times the reported figure of 7.3 that the government and the media keep telling us. And that's the real picture. And it's kept from the people. It's propaganda. That's what that is. It's propaganda. So here we have the Bureau of Labor Statistics throwing out 126,000 phantom birth death model jobs. Gives the headline number 200,000 jobs created. Wall Street rallies. And everybody's happy. The government comes out and uh, trumpets how great it's looking for employment. We created 200,000 jobs. Meanwhile, the government, um, the, the, the White House doesn't come out and tell you what I just told you. That these are part-time jobs. They're bartenders. They're waitresses. And these jobs may not even exist because the birth-death model uh, is the fudging figure. And nor will the president come out and say that the real unemployment rate is 23.5%. And we're happy with it. Again, this is the way government controls us, by controlling news, controlling information, massaging numbers, outright fudging government statistics. And we have the participation rate at a 35-year low. 63.2% of Americans are in the workforce. Actually, no, it dropped to 62.8. I'm sorry. 
the lowest it's been since February 1978 when Jimmy Carter was president. The labor force is part of the civilian population that either has a job or has actively sought one in the last four weeks. And again, that goes into the unemployment rate. As I said before, when someone drops out of the labor force because they haven't looked for a job in four weeks, um, they're no longer counted as unemployed in any of these figures. Now, the number of Americans not in the labor force has climbed over 11 million since Obama took office. We had 80,507,000 in January 2009, uh, and now we have 91,541,000 in October. Number of Americans not working. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. Now, yeah, part of that is people getting older and retired. I understand that. That's part of it. But a lot of it has to do with the economic situation that we find ourselves in. All right, it's time for a break. If you want to be part of the program, 866-472-5790 is the phone number. My name is Lou Skatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on Voice America's Business Channel. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Financial Physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5790. That's toll free. 1-866-472-5790. Once again, here's Lou. All right, welcome back to this thing of ours we call The Financial Physician. Lou Scatigna here. Great to be with you each and every Wednesday, 4 p.m. on the East Coast, 1 p.m. on the West Coast, and always available in the archives uh, at voiceamerica.com on the business channel. Just look me up, and I usually post links um, every uh, Thursday morning uh, on my website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit me each and every day. I have a, an active blog that we, we update most days, and we try to bring you information there that you're not going to get uh, in the mainstream media. And uh, I spend a lot of time and effort researching things and trying to bring to your attention things that you need to know about so you could make the proper moves financially and protect yourself and protect your family. Now, we've been spending a lot of time on Obamacare as 
basically every news organization has and every talk show has uh, over the last few weeks because people now are starting to realize what Obamacare really is. Uh, it's a fraud is what it is. It's totally unworkable, and it's laying the destruction of the finest healthcare system in the world. It's breathtaking to see what's going on in front of our eyes and understanding that we're doing this to ourselves. Well, it's being done to us by uh, uh, one fraction uh, of the political spectrum. It's being done to the rest of us. But, you know, socialized medicine is being heaped on us. And people are starting to realize that it's going to affect them. As millions of Americans across the country are getting notices that their insurance is being canceled and in sometimes being replaced by virtually the same policy that's substantially higher. And when you hit people's pocketbooks and you hit people's health care, they're going to rise up. And they are rising up. The president's approval rating is in the high 30s, which is just awful for a president. Only 37% of Americans approve of his job. That's horrible. I don't know if we've seen an approval rating that low. Maybe during George, sometime during George Bush II term. Uh, but it's extremely low. And people do not like their insurances being canceled. And Democrats are freaking out. Many of the Democrats didn't know this was going to happen. Because the president told them, and they told us very publicly 30 times, that if you like your health insurance, you can keep your health insurance. But what he didn't say is that health and human services, though, are going to change the regulations that for it to be a viable health care policy, it has to provide this, 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 and this. And a few policies have every essential element that the Obama administration wants in these policies. So that disqualified as much as 67% of all policies out there. So, yeah, you can keep your your, – your, your, um, and, and the president tried to clarify it. If it was a good policy, in other words, up to what we think is good, not what you think is good, but what we think is good, meaning that single men have to have maternity coverage, substance abuse coverage. Why would a 60-year-old couple need substance abuse coverage for when they never did a drug in their life? Got to buy it anyway. Even though you know you'll never need it because you're insuring other people. It's a Ponzi scheme is really what it is. You're going to have the young and healthy people paying for the old and sick people. And it's falling apart. And you got the website issue. That hasn't, well, they say it's gotten a little better, but it's a disaster. But the real issue here is not the website. It's people losing the coverage that they had. Or basically keeping the coverages that they had at an exorbitant price increase. That's what's happening. I'll tell you my experience. I have Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield in New Jersey. And it's a, it's a group plan. covers my employees and their families. And over the last two years, the premiums have gone up. The premium went up 35% in uh, 2011. It went up 15%. In uh, 2012, actually, uh, 2012 it went up 35 percent, and 2013 this year went up 15 percent. So I'm already up almost 50 percent in my cost in the last two years since Obamacare was passed. 
And I got a notice that my plan is being terminated, and I have to go into a new plan. Now, my insurance agent has no idea what the new premiums are going to be, he says. He says, we're not getting any information from the insurance companies. We don't know what's going on. It's a total disaster, an information blackout. We don't know what to do, how to advise anybody what. But my accountant told me uh, that he had found out that, and he has Blue Cross also, he says that you could change your anniversary date to December of this year, get a slight increase, and then have 12 months at that rate with your same plan. Okay, it sounds good to me. I call my insurance agent. Sure enough, you can do that. And that's what we did that last week. We now have a new plan. We have the same plan, but we have a new anniversary date of December 31st. My premiums went up 11%, which I'm not happy about. But, you know, better than next year when they're going to go up, who knows what. So we did that, and we prevented uh, a major increase next year. And I, I suggest that everybody go out and do that. Find out if you can't change the anniversary date of your policy to December of this year. Now, not all insurance companies will allow you to do it. But apparently, Blue Cross Blue Shield will. And that's going to save me a tremendous amount of money because I found out today uh, from someone at Blue Cross that my plan would have gone up 50% next year. 51% was the number. 51%. And that's what we're looking at here in America. That is the increase in healthcare costs that we're going to see on average in this country. My premiums are already exorbitantly high. I pay $1,800 a family for an HMO. $1,800 a month. So a 50% increase is $900, brings that to $2,700 a month per family. That is most more than a $300,000 mortgage payment, including real estate taxes per month for health care. It is outrageous. It is totally outrageous. And people are they're just going to rise up on this. And meanwhile, the Democrats are freaking out as uh, these kind of stories uh, are coming out now. And people are starting to realize it. And every day that goes by, people, more and more people are being affected by it. Uh, that uh, They basically told the White House, hey, you better do something about this. Because we didn't know about this. And we're going down with the ship. And we got midterm elections next year, especially uh, senators and congressmen in, 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 uh, in red states. They're freaking out. How could you run on this? How could you say, I voted for Obamacare when you have 100,000 people in your district, or if you're a senator, you had millions of people in your state that just lost their health insurance or are paying an exorbitant increase in it in a massive redistribution of wealth. And that's what this is. It was a bait and switch. And the president lied. Outright lied to get it passed. Lied to you, lied to me, that our health plans, will, you can keep it. You can keep your doctor, or you can't. No, not if you go to another insurance company. It's not, he's not in your network, their network. You'll save $2,500 a year on average. I'm already up 50%. Actually, 61 now. <coughs> With this new increase I just got in the last two years. So they were all lies by the White House, by the president, and he knew. They knew they were going to do this because it's the only way that Obamacare works. 
is get everybody out of uh, their private insurance and into the national plan. And now you can't even do that because you can't even get on the website and get this process done safely and securely. It is just one of the worst frauds ever perpetrated on the American people and an impeachable offense in my opinion. So now the Democrats are, are, are trying to find a way out. And um, Senator Landrieu from, Los, um, from Louisiana, Democrat in the Senate, in a red state, is freaking out. So she's sponsoring a bill that would force insurance companies to uh, keep your policy. Now, really, understand this. It's not the insurance companies that are pulling people off of policies because they want to. They're being forced to by health and human services regulations. It is not the insurance company's fault. And this is the narrative that the administration wants to play, that it's the evil insurance companies. No, we're only doing what you're telling us we have to do. Again, another straight-out lie. So she's putting out this bill in Senate that uh, will force the insurance companies, those evil insurance companies, from doing terrible things to you and knocking you off your plan, which just blows up Obamacare in its entirety because you need these people in the exchanges. Oh, by the way, it was just announced just momentarily ago uh, that since the uh, start of uh, Obamacare's website on October 1st, 26,000 people have fully enrolled. 26,000. They need like something like 38000 a day to get to the $7 million that they, they wanted to get to uh, by March of next year. It doesn't work otherwise. Insurance companies are losing money. You know, the only people who are signing up right now are people who are desperate for insurance, pre-existing conditions and the like. So uh, it, it seems that uh, – now watch. Uh, you know – the Republicans in the House are, are really kind of stuck between a, a rock and a hard place. It's best for them. You know, okay, you guys didn't want it to fund it, you know, and everything else. The Republicans offered a one-year delay in the mandate, and the president and the Democrats in the Senate turned it down. And now they're coming back with this, force these insurance companies to keep your policies. Well, you can't unless you, Health and Human Services change the regulations. That's all they have to do. You don't need legislation to do this. But Mary Landrieu wants to come out of this instead of looking like the bad guy that voted for Obamacare, the one that saved everybody from it. It's amazing. And then the president come out and sign it all like, like he's the miracle worker and Santa Claus. It's, it's just truly amazing how these people function and how they, how they work. And um, the media is starting to turn, too. Because they're getting their health insurance canceled too. This is this is a th- the beauty of this thing that it doesn't just ref- uh, affect Republicans. It doesn't just affect conservatives. It doesn't just affect Tea Party members. It affects Democrats and a lot of people in individual plans that are getting blown up uh, are in individual plans because they're lower income and such, and tend to lean Democratic. These are Democratic constituents that are getting hurt. And boy, what a political price the Democrats are going to have to pay for this. Now they're looking for a, a way out and trying to turn a negative into – and if the Republicans vote against this, they'll be saying, oh, those damn Republicans are backing the insurance companies again. Again, it's the big lie. 
All Health and Human Services has to do is issue a regulation saying that all policies abide uh, that are currently in effect uh, uh, abide by the regulations, the new regulations of the Affordable Care Act, and then nobody needs to be taken off. No legislation is needed, but if you don't, if you don't sponsor legislation and make a political grandstanding of it all, you don't get any credit for fixing it. And uh, Health and Human Services can fix it itself. And now you've got these Democrats coming out, and all of a sudden they're, uh, they're against all this. Well, then they're against Obamacare in its entirety. Right, time for another break. 866-472-5790 is the phone number. My name's Louis Katigna. Don't you go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice. America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Katigna? Call him now. It's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or email the show. Here's the address, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, the email address is lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails. Uh, I try to return, uh, I try to respond to each and every one. Uh, just give me a few days, uh, I get a tremendous amount of email and it, it sometimes it's difficult for me to catch up on it but but I do read each and every one personally and and try to respond to them and uh, let me know what's going on in your life out there how's Obamacare affecting you good and bad I want to hear the stories those who are able to get on the exchanges and, and get insurance and let me know your success story those of you who have nightmares I want to hear them too we want to know what's going on out there 
And again, I have my own personal stories to tell. I'm, I'm feeling it as well. Many Americans are. And before this is all said and done, every single American is going to feel this in one way or the other, whether it's longer waits to, to see a doctor, uh, whether it's incredibly high insurance premiums that for many people are going to be totally unaffordable. I mean, it's going to get to a point when you know I'm no longer be able to cover my employees. I'm going to have to tell them, like, you know, it's prohibitively expensive at this point. What am I going to do? Pay ten thousand dollars a family eventually? It's, it's just can't do it. And that's exactly what they want. Okay, they want the insurance system to fail because they want and always have wanted a single payer system, and knew they had to skip a couple of rock, uh, skip, skip on a, a couple of. Uh, uh, of stones in the creek to get to the other side and that's misrepresentation right right lying about the program about keeping your insurance and doctor and all that so you first you have the lie then you implode the private health care insurance system and then you have a single payer system at the end of the day because people will be clamoring for relief and they'll look to the government as the the source now to put into socialized medicine that's what it was all about and again it was a deception, a lie, a fraud, perpetuated on the American people. The biggest lie a president has ever told. And, and knew he'd be called on it. I mean, he knew what the plan was. And that's the thing. Nobody in Congress knew. Because according to Congress and, and, and the law, uh, there was grandfathering policies in place. All right. That that most the whole idea was that if you you had an insurance policy before it was signed into law, it was grandfathered in, precluding any changes in the policy. And what's a change? A change could be premiums. Premiums change every single year, and they go up every single year. I can't remember a year where my premium stayed the same. So even if your premium went up a dollar. It was no longer considered a viable plan under Obamacare. If your deductibles change, your coverage eligibility, that triggers the termination of the policy because it's not in full conformity with Obamacare standards. And um, Democrats are going to argue that they never intended for grandfathering clause to be waived so easily. They didn't know it was going to be waived so easily. Uh, they're going to argue that they inserted the provision precisely to permit the president to claim that if you like your health care, you can keep your health care plan. And they're going to say that they never, um, were never consulted on um, health and human services regulations that effectively viscerates the grandfather provision. Right? So they're going to say, and, and they were, they were tricked. They were tricked. The Democrats in Congress, I believe, did not know this was going to happen. At least most of them did. Didn't know. Because it opened the administration to change the regulations to make it more strident where it's difficult for these plans uh, to be grandfathered in. It was a major deception. Now, did you hear a story about these navigators? Okay, these navigators are community organizers that uh, help people supposedly get uh, get uh, on, the, on the website and do the application right and all that kind of stuff. Handholders. Now, uh, James O'Keefe, I don't know if you remember who he was, he's the, the videographer that helped bring down Acorn. He went undercover with Acorn. That's a community organizing group that Barack Obama worked for as a lawyer and a trainer way back when. That's where he cut his teeth. Well, this time, um, 
his undercover investigators uh, focused on Obamacare navigators. And there's 50,000 people who are doing this. Um, who, in words of the Department of Health and Human Services, quote, will serve as an in-person resource for Americans who want additional assistance in shopping for and enrolling in plans on the Obamacare exchanges, at least when they're finally working, I guess. Uh, and the total value of grants doled out for nonprofits or community organizations to hire navigators has topped $67 million nationwide. And some of the money is going to a group run by Acorn's highly controversial founder. What a surprise. Isn't it amazing to have friends in high places? And many of these navigators haven't been vetted, haven't had background checks, could be felons or criminals, and are getting people's highly personalized information. Uh, I, I wouldn't give any of my information to any of these people. So anyway, um, so uh, O'Keefe has his uh, people go in there, and uh, they have a hitting camera, and he goes to a site that's run by the National Urban League. Uh, and um, these government-paid workers who are supposedly trained to uphold the law and advise clients on how to lie on uh, government forms, evade legal requirements, and ignore proper procedures. That's what they're doing. They're telling people how to lie to get more subsidies. They say to keep your income lower. No, don't put that much on. You'll get more. uh, uh, Your premium will be higher, or you won't get enough of subsidy to pay it. Um, one of these navigators told somebody, don't tell them you smoke if you smoke. Um, one told uh, a person who says, you know, he has two jobs, but one's for cash. Oh, don't tell them how you make that money. So what these people are basically doing is teaching people how to defraud the United States of America. And you and I are paying for it in subsidies and things like that. Yeah, it didn't happen. Never report it. Now, the National Urban League was paid 376000 by the federal government for Obamacare outreach in Texas. And that's where uh, O'Keefe um, cameras went. Well, then he went to Enroll America, a nationwide nonprofit group that has launched a multi-state grassroots campaign to help millions of Americans sign up for health coverage. Uh, Daniel Clayton of Enroll America says group is uh, purely nonprofit. It's nonpartisan. It's nonpolitical. But when Brian Pendleton of Enroll America is introduced at a speaking engagement, Enroll America is described as, quote, the official group of the DNC, meaning the Democratic National Committee. So uh, it's, just, it's just unbelievable. These people are telling people how to, how, how to quit, uh, how to head how to, before the United States government. It's just uh, beyond belief. Uh, and you're going to hear more and more stories like that. You go to college, guess what? College now, or at least some colleges, are forcing you to get health insurance, that you have to have health insurance, and suggest Obamacare. Here's an example of a letter that was sent to uh, West Virginia University parents, students, and their families. Uh, Because health problems can interfere with academic success, West Virginia University is in the process of making important changes in the health care of our students. The Student Center of Health has expanded its services, delivery strategies, and programs. The changes will promote, educate, and support students in keeping healthy and adopting positive lifestyle choices. These changes include new consolidated wellness facility with with expanded hours. I'm not going to read you all that. All right, so they have uh, that. Um, 
Health insurance. Beginning academic year 2014-2015, all West Virginia University students will be required to have health care coverage. Many universities around the country use this model to ensure that students are protected against unforeseen and catastrophic medical expenses. Why is it the university's job to tell me and protect me against unforeseen and catastrophic medical expenses? Why is it their job to do that? Students using the medical services provided at the student health center may have these services either billed to their health insurance provider or pay for them out of their own resources when services are rendered. The choice is theirs. If students choose the use of their health insurance, they will be asked to provide the copayment. The Affordable Care Act offers qualified students who are uninsured with options for discounted or free health insurance. Open enrollment began October 1, 2013 and ends March 31, 2014. And then they give the website uh, for Obamacare. So now the, uh, our universities are now forcing us to get Obamacare or health care. So you can't pay the penalty if you're a college student. But let me tell you, college students are now, if they use the, the – I, I, I'm trying to say game the system. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing what, what these navigators did, but it's all legal. I'm not telling them to do anything illegal. If my son is 21 years old, 22 years old, and in college, right, and not making any money, he's just going to school, then he's considered poverty. He can get food stamps. He's an he's an adult. He's not he's not not my dependent. I don't take him as a dependent, and now he now he's poor. He get food stamps, welfare, grants, and now free health care. Because he's going to get a huge subsidy on, the Ob- uh, on Obamacare. That's game in the system. And uh, my nephew's in college, and he told me that most kids now are getting on an EBT card. And they're, they're not eating in the, um, in the cafeteria. And the parents are only paying for college, and they're not paying for board. For food, for the for the meal plan, and that's saving the family thousands of dollars. And now these these kids go get food stamps and, and cook to get their own food. When meanwhile they come, to, they come from great families, you know, financially secure families. But again, once you once you're uh, twenty one, in some cases eighteen, I guess, um, you are no longer, um, you know, you're not part of the family anymore. You don't have to be. You're an adult, an adult who makes no money. I'm poor. Now I should be able to get welfare, I should be able to get food stamps, I should be able to get grants for school, I should be able to get free health care. And college students, I guess, aren't stupid, otherwise they wouldn't be in college. And once one does it, and all of a sudden the word gets around that you could do this, that's what they're going to do. So uh, college is now mandating health insurance for people. It's just amazing. I'm done with Obamacare, no more for the rest of the program. We have one more Segment left in the program, 866-472-5790 phone number. My name is Luz Cotegna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the financial physician your source for straightforward no-nonsense financial advice call america's money doctor right now it's toll free 1-866-472-5790 you can also log on to our website at www.thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou Scatigna. All right, welcome back to The Financial Physician, where we get together each and every Wednesday, 4 p.m. on the East Coast, 1 p.m. on the West Coast, to talk about money, markets, and politics. And I'm going to concentrate this segment on, on some personal finance issues. How about that? You know, we talk a lot of politics lately. It's just so much. I got a pile here for Obamacare that I could bring to you, but I just can't do it anymore. It's just so much out there on Obamacare. It makes you crazy. Uh, we'll save that for next week, but it's just uh, mind-blowing, uh, this train wreck. It really is it's something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime, how government can just basically nuke uh, one-sixth of the U.S. economy and, and nuke virtually every family in America. Uh, it's just, just beyond belief. Anyway, let's shift gears to, to personal finance. As you know, I'm the author of The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health, a book that every one of my listeners should have. And it's a great gift for the holidays, especially if you have young adults in your life or even, uh, even teenagers, uh, uh, high school age and older. This book is a how-to book on how to survive financially uh, in America in 2010s, where we live now, how to be responsible, how to buy a car right, the right way to figure out how much house you can afford and how to go about that process, how to do estate planning. 
We talk about financial psychology. We talk about investing, retirement plans. And I wrote the book in a very easy to understand uh, uh, manner. And I'm so proud of the book and the comments we've gotten back uh, from people who say that it's so easy to read. I know it wasn't full of financial ease and it was easy to understand. And I've had even people tell me they've read it cover to cover in one sitting, which is saying a lot about a financial book. But it's a, it's a how-to book and how to survive uh, in the times that we live in, in irresponsibly and how to build up wealth. And the reason why most Americans don't have wealth is because of irresponsible financial behavior. And we teach you very easily the steps to take to become responsible, how to get out of debt, how to avoid credit cards, student loans, things like that. And that's the financial physician, how to cure your money problems, boost your financial health. Last I looked on Amazon.com, I think it was $10.36. It varies day to day. It's kind of weird. I don't know if it's supply and demand or whatever, but, uh, um, uh, but go get your copy today and get a copy for your family. Uh, uh, you'd be doing them well. All right. One of the, I think one of the most important chapters of the book is about spousal teamwork. How important it is for the success of a family financially that both spouses manage the money together. Now, I've been a financial planner for 30 years, and I've met with a countless number of husband and wives over the years. And for the most part, either the husband or the wife handles the money in the family, pays the bills, handles the investments, and so forth. Now, that's starting to change a little bit now as you know, we get a younger, younger families coming up. But for the most part, it was the man. The husband, especially in ethnic families with older gentlemen in him, the, the man made the money and he spent the money and he paid the bills and he gave his wife an allowance for grocery shopping and she had to beg him if she wanted to buy a pair of shoes. That's the way it was uh, for many years in the past. Uh, now we're seeing more and more women starting to manage the money and the man not managing at all. Man says, fine with me. I don't want to bother or worry about bills. Let you handle it. And in many cases, this has been a good thing because women, I think, are, are just better at it. Uh, but both you and your honey should manage the money together. That's what uh, will lead to, um, uh, to financial success in a family. Because when only one spouse or one partner manages family finances, you know, serious problems can happen. Um, Let's just call the, this, the managing partner as well, call the one who handles the money. The managing partner can make very poor decisions, choices that the other partner may disagree with but doesn't really know about. Uh, the other partner that doesn't manage the money or control the money uh, can feel left out or, or looked down upon. Uh, the non-managing partner may not be aware of uh, limits that he or she should follow. If he or she doesn't know that they're in a financial crunch, you know, uh, he or she may just keep spending freely and not worry about a thing and just keep driving them further into debt. The non-decision-making partner may, uh, may not understand the reasons for the managing partner's actions. It could affect their relationship. It can cause misunderstanding. It can cause resentment. And boy, I've seen that many times in, in, in my career. And most importantly, when, um, when the person who handles the finances dies, the survivor, usually the spouse, uh, is going to be left totally, completely in the dark uh, with no idea what to do or how to manage money. 
because they have no training in it. And then they wound up getting um, slaughtered by uh, predators out there, like stockbrokers and annuity salesmen and stuff, and they don't know any better. I've had some wives uh, whose husband has died, and you know I'm trying to uh, advise them, and they've never written a check. It's kind of amazing. They never wrote a check. Husband did everything. They didn't even know how much money the family had. They were surprised to learn that he had these stocks or bonds and what it was worth. But when you passed away, and I've seen this so many times, the, 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 the spouse with no money management skills at all, could be the husband, could be the wife, or now don't know what to do. And, and it's really sad to see people like that, that are totally out like a fish out of water. And if uh, only one member of the family runs the financial show, uh, the other's going to feel left out that he has no say or use of, of their own money. And, and nowadays, you know, both the husband and wife, for the most part, earn money into the house. So, you know, they, they both feel that, you know, it's their money together. And, uh, and, and, and that causes stress within a relationship and it causes financial stress. Because, again, they're not on the same page. And when I uh, get a call from a client, uh, a new client who wants to see me, uh, I ask if they're married. And, and if they are, I make sure that their partner joins and, you know, joins, comes together with them when they meet with me. I want to see both of them. I don't want to just see the one person. It's essential, in my opinion, that both understand the basics of family finances. And I want to know what each risk tolerance is. Husband may be very aggressive. The, the, the wife may be more conservative. And that's something that we have to, you know, we have to concentrate on. And this is the first thing you should do. This is the thing that the minimum that every family should do. And it has pay bills together. Pay bills together. Once a month, sit down together on a kitchen table with no distractions, turn off the TV, turn off the music, uh, choose a time and place where there are no distractions, where the children are asleep or the children aren't home or at school or something. Look at each bill, discuss them, spousal to spouse. Oh my, the electric bill, look how high it is. Oh boy, we've got to do, we've got to do better in keeping the lights off and turning this off and that off. Right? When you see that bill together, and now we have a goal to lower it. Now we're both accountable. When that bill comes in the mail, we're going to be excited to open it up and see what that number is and see if we achieved it together. Real important. And if any bill's too high, discuss it. And explore how you can reduce it. Examine how you can cut your grocery bill. A lot of things we buy are just expensive. Processed food. Maybe it's cheaper if we buy unprocessed food. Thus, discuss ways to cut other expenses. And increase your savings. And the reason why we don't have no net worth is because we're spending too much and we don't have enough to put away. And review your investments together. Talk about how they're doing and changes you can make. I'm going to go over this more next week because we're running out of time. But it's so important that you and your honey manage money together. We're at the end of another hour. It goes so fast here on a Financial Physician. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, we're here every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. 1 p.m. on the West Coast. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com. Visit my blog each and every day. My email, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Have a wonderful week, and please join me next Wednesday and every Wednesday for the next edition of The Financial Physician. Have a great week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 